0: Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Here's to greater possibilities together. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
1: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to I'd be want to make friends, I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you. Put these days in context, because they're tough. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Listen, this, uh, this inverted yield curve thing, it can be wrong. People act like this automatically signals that we're going into a recession. But it might signal nothing more than the fact that the Fed should never have tightened in December. Because I am telling you right here, right now, there is no recession in sight. So let's stop the panic. It doesn't matter, at least not on a day day basis, which is why the Dow lost 460 points today. S&P plunged 1.90%. NASDAQ plummeted 2.5%. There's so much money being run by computers, that stocks are practically destined to come down when you get this kind of signal. Because historically, an inverted yield curve has so often do- predicted a recession, like it did in 2007. That's why you can't stop the rain coming down on this market. That's why I tweeted all day, don't be a hero! Don't be a hero until at least more people realize that there are bargains to be had, even if we're going into a big slowdown. And I don't think we are. By the way, if the economy truly gets into a jam here, don't forget the Fed can always cut rates just to get us out of it. Stupid, but do do it. Obviously, this kind of action is disturbing to you. You're not going to find much buying support because algorithmic trading has no real limits, up or down. They don't put in orders that say, hey, down 1.5%, walk away and let the bids build. No, the computers don't have any sense that Costco is different from McDonald's, which is different from Amazon, which is different from J.P. Morgan. Even though only J.P. Morgan is really hurt by an inverted yield curve, but they're all in the index. Remember, we've all been brainwashed. All that matters is the index. Individual stocks mean nothing. So I say stay the course. Because this recession that everyone's suddenly afraid of because of what J-PAL said and what the yield curve says, it ain't coming. That's it. if you're concerned, stick with the fastest growers and the stocks with the biggest, safest dividend yields. See those like the PepsiCo that was up today? And get ready to ride through these troubled waters. I will be there riding it with you. With that in mind, what's on our uh, what do we have on tap next week? Uh, kind of busy week. On Monday, Apple reveals its new products. And based on how these things usually go, I think that's when we'll start hearing from the bears about how they're disappointed by the whole shooting match. They've kept their powder dry as Apple stock has been levitating going into this presentation. They will enact their revenge right into the unveiling, no matter how spectacular Apple's announcements may be. Now, you know what I want from these guys, more services that we're willing to pay 10 bucks a month for to bulk up their service revenue stream because the gross margins are so fabulous. And it's sticky. It's a subscription economy. I don't see how Apple makes that happen without making an acquisition. Uh, Regular viewers know that I want them to buy Dexcom and Tandem Diabetes. So, they can offer diabetics a blood sugar monitor slash insulin pump that can be controlled from your cell phone. I want them to do medical records too, but that's got no traction whatsoever. I like this idea better than one more video channel, but if Apple's working on a multimedia bundle, I could see why that's intriguing. I might take it, I might sample it at least. Again, though, Apple could announce something totally mind blowing, and I bet its stock would still go down because the Bears are spoiling for a fight. And after the recent run, I think that they've got the upper hand. By the way, I'm going to be on a, a Scott Wapner show on Monday with Tony Sagan from Bernstein, and they also tell the respect. I bet you he gives it right in the kisser. On Monday night, we hear from Red Hat, the open-source enterprise software company, one of the cloud kings. It's actually being acquired by IBM. Today was a terrible day for the cloud names. Oh, my God, they were hurt worse than anything. They're high multiple stocks where people have big profits, so you have to expect that they'll sell off on a day like this one. Remember, also, you need to raise money in order to be able to buy all the IPOs that are coming. Red Hat's being bought uh, by IBM, though, and all I want to hear from them is how their business is doing across all clouds, not just IBM, since the merger was announced. Tuesday morning, we get results from Carnival. And it'll be difficult for them to top the incredible numbers we got from Norwegian cruise lines earlier this week, still with a 3.5% yield, 3.54. Remember, Treasuries are 2.4. And some real momentum. I think Carnival's a buy ahead of the quarter. I would pick some up with the understanding that things can't be that bad for Carnival if Norwegian's doing that well. No how, no way. We also hear from a company that many people are intrigued about who watch... And then I write about these companies all the time on Real Money. I talk about them here. Kronos. What's Kronos? It's a Canadian cannabis stock that I regard as second-best player in the industry behind canopy growth, which took a big hit today, um, because Kronos took in $1.8 billion from Altria in return for 45% of the company. Got Altria very opportunistic. I love this cannabis theme. Larry Merlot from CVS is introducing cann- cannabidiol-based products, CBD, and I wonder whether some of it will eventually come from Kronos. That said... I still favor Canopy. Because remember, they got the 4 billion smackers from uh, Constellation Brands. Next up is KB Home and Ollie's Bargain Outlet. How uh, they reported for the close? KB always gives you a great look at the, uh, the ultra-important California real estate market. I've been pretty wrapped on that conference call, always MS for Ollie's. It's cheap. It's down 18 points from its highs for no particular reason. It's got, well, there's some short seller saying something about it. It's got a terrific uh, closeout bottle. Remember, you know, you want to be in Ollie's Army. I, oh, I threw that away, right? I got to get it. I got to get another one. Oh, no, just a sec. Hey, you know, I'm resourceful. No one ever said I'm not. When we, when we do the real show instead of this rehearsal, I'm going to pick this up, okay? okay? Oh, darn, here we go. I think the stock can recover the points it lost since the last time we heard from these guys. Um, oh, see, you lost. Okay, it's a little accident there. Now, when Adobe reported investors on, I think that was a mistake. On Tuesday, Adobe holds an analyst Q&A on the sidelines of a user conference it's hosting. And you know what? I bet we'll start hearing a lot of good things that make you want to buy the stock regardless of the inverted yield curve. If I'm right, the pin action could very quickly spread to the other cloud names. Like the four names, Salesforce and ServiceNow. So we get to sell off of this inverted yield curve nonsense and all the machines, right? And then you make some money on Adobe. Wednesday morning, we get results from Lenore, giant home builder, right? Uh, it's more of a national player. I think the last few months have, uh, have uh, untethered the housing market from anything except mortgage rates. And right now, mortgage rates are plummeting. So it might be a good time to buy yourself a home or a stock. Is the economy still accelerating, or is this yield curve saying it's, uh, that everything's cool? We'll find out when we hear from Paychex, which is America's second largest payroll processor, more for small and medium-sized business. The last quarter was fine. I think this one will be, too. The analysts just don't like it. They're, they've missed the boat the whole way up. After the close, we get results from a pair of major apparel companies, PVH and Lululemon. PVH has been hanging in there pretty nicely. Lululemon has been roaring, at least until it was body slammed today uh, into a tanning wall uh, by a very, let's uh, say, Curious downgrade by Wedbush, I think Lululemon has the best momentum in the group. PVH is a very good story, but it also has a lot of detractors who keep waiting for the company to stumble, which is one reason the stock never really seems to catch fire. On Thursday, we hear from Accenture, ACN. Uh, and, and what I can say is this information technology consulting company is terrific at helping clients go digital. But you know what? When it reports, it tends to get hit. And then when it gets hit, you do some buying. Foot Locker, NFL, also holds the an analyst meeting on Thursday. Maybe that could be a catalyst to buy some Nike, which reported a fantastic quarter but gave a more tepid forecast than people expected today. I thought Nike was simply underpromising and certainly will overdeliver. That's called UPod. That's what they're doing. Their Chinese sales were staggering. Apparently, China has discovered jogging, which is a sweet spot for the company. A lot of stuff about women. Women were uh, mentioned more than 30 times in the conference call. We counted them. If Foot Locker tells a good story, Nike stock can run. I would buy Nike ahead of the meeting. Remember, by this time, I'm I'm thinking, all right, we're sick of hearing about the inverted yield curve. Even the people who just do nothing but talk about the Fed all the time, they're tired of it. So uh, Nike is the right way to play. Now, Friday, we find out once again how badly the auto industry is doing when CarMax reports. I think we're going to be in for another disappointment. I wish I could be more positive about this giant auto, auto retail that's run so well, but the numbers probably won't add up. Finally, best for last, it's Lyft. It's supposed to come public on Friday, and the IPA will be absurdly oversubscribed. It's going to open up red hot. People are going to be like, wow. Um, I think if you can get in on a piece of the action, you should do it. If you're going to buy it in the aftermarket, you have to use the limit, or I'll never forgive you. The bottom line, we're headed into another week where I think the inverted yield curve will embolden the bears, but I disagree with their interpretation entirely. We're not headed into a recession. The Fed just took us out of, you know, it just took us one rate hike too many. And now, we're all paying the price. How about we go to Peter in Colorado? Peter! Hey, Jim, big fan, big fan. I appreciate you. No problem. Um, I know you, uh, you're kind of fond of the telecom sector, Verizon, yeah. AT&T at times. I am. And I also know that you're not all that hot on China. Yeah, that's how about true. China Mobile.
0: What do you think about that? That's
1: one? too hard, my friend. Look, I mean, the Chinese President Xi went to Italy today, right in President Trump's face, right in his face, saying, "Listen, you try to make it so that you think that we're going to be contained. We're in Italy." Well, you know what? We can't do that. We can't. We're not going to buy Chinese stocks when these two countries are having a real cold war. Now we're going to Mike in Minnesota. Mike, thanks for taking my call, Jim. My pleasure. Along from the host city of the Final Four, Minneapolis. That's true. I forgot. About, that's where it's going. I just right. did okay in my brackets. It's not great. What's up? Well, so far, there's lots left. True. My, my question is about Pivotal Software, PVTL. They're
2: positioned well in the cloud space. Dell remains a significant investor. They've had a good run this year.
1: So do we buy in the dips? I didn't, I, I, you know what? I think you just buy Dell. I think Dell is the motherlode. I think it's a great stock. It's inexpensive. Michael Dell's doing a fabulous job. That's the way we're going to play Dell, is to buy Dell. All right, I think stocks have a lot of detractors next week. Sure, you can stop the rain. Well, you can't stop the rain, actually. But I say you have to stay the course through this because we're not headed into a recession. We're just not. Isn't that incredible? Look at the magic of making me look really stupid. Um. Okay, oh, man, money tonight. The maker of the Next Generation Satellites gave federal officials key data in the Boeing 737 MAX investigation? Well, we're going to talk to them. Then, U-Lift Pro, the company that's shaping the future of getting from here to there, is coming public. And I'll tell you if you can uh, not only change your commute, but make money in your portfolio. And the talk of lifting doesn't end there. I'm sitting down the see of Planet Fitness. What a stock! To see if it can muscle its way higher in the market. So I say, stay with something odd, while the tragic subject of plane crashes is still fresh on everybody's minds. Do you remember when that Malaysian Airlines flight disappeared? It was in 2014. To this day, we still don't even know what happened, in part because the aviation industry uses a radar-based tracking system. It's simply not up to do the job. The current system leaves 70% of the planet uncovered and requires planes to frequently check in with infrastructure on the ground. You're not tracking the plane so much as the plane tracks itself, which obviously causes problems if something goes wrong. Enter Iridium Communications, which is commonly viewed as a satellite phone company. Next week, Iridium's rolling out an amazing new service called Arion, where the company will use its satellites to keep an eye on the aircraft. It's a tracking system that actually tracks planes from above. We know Iridium's doing well. That's one reason the stock is up 43% for the year. And I think this one, well, I got to tell you, the service could be a nice kicker. So let's take a closer look with Matt Desh. He's the CEO of Iridium Communications to learn more about this Arion service and what it means for the future of his company. Mr. Desh, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Great to see Have you a too. seat. Well, Matt, thanks, Jim. I don't know, almost a decade ago you came on the show and you laid out a vision, and the vision seemed almost uh, too good to be true. You had to put, spend billions of dollars, put up all these satellites, and then after that you would reap the benefits. We're about to reap the benefits, aren't we?
3: We are. We are. It's, it's amazing what happens when you finish uh, climbing that mountain of capital that you have to do. Um, you know, we grew very well over the last eight years since I last saw you. Sure, you have more than a million people. I mean, we almost doubled our bottom line during that time. But during that time, we were spending a lot of money to replace our network. Well, as of two months ago, the last satellite went in, and we have a 10-year capital holiday here where we are going to spend, you know, a minimal amount of money really over that time. So our free cash flow is just going to really uh, expand dramatically.
1: It is without you. I mean, really is kind of primitive, right? I mean, I understand that you were also, um, you were able to track some of what happened between the Ethiopian airline and the Indonesian in this terrible recent two crashes.
3: Yeah, just, just so, you know, our each one of our, our brand new satellites, and we have 66 in orbit, have a special payload about this big, that Arian. And it can hear the transmission second by second of every transponder in every airplane, sending out its exact precise location, speed, distance,
1: Everyone, everyone in the world.
3: Well, everyone that is has been um, installed, but the FAA and others have mandated that every airplane that flies in... And service, which is certainly every airliner, right. like at the U.S. or Europe, sure. should have this box on by the end of this year. So almost everybody really has one of these things on And Certainly the Ethiopian Air one did, the Lion Air one recently did, even the mh three seventy one did, but it was turned, off. But, you're, oh, but it was turned could, off. but nothing could hear it anyway because there were only ground systems. Right. So radar has evolved to ground systems. We thought, what if we use this incredible real estate we have, a whole planetary you know, umbrella around the planet, To be able to listen to those all in real time, that's when we created Aerion, which is a joint venture between us and a couple other air navigation service providers. And they're now almost ready to launch their service to track every airplane and let air traffic controllers give more efficient service. It's not just about safety, it's about efficiency.
1: But I did read that that, that Iridium was involved in trying to figure out what happened with these two down planes.
3: Uh, in a small way, right. we were. Uh, I mean, I'm proud that the system has been in operation here. It's going to go live for paying traffic in a few weeks here, in a week or two. Um, but at the time, we heard, if you will, our the satellite picked up the second-by-second second transmission of the Ethiopian air. When the FA asked us for that data and were able to compare it to the, the data we provided for the Lion Air, they could see very quickly that these— Similar. And, and literally within an hour or two, they said, this is— this is the same thing, and we need to ground these airplanes. So, you know, even without the system being turned on live, which will right. be soon, it's— But I, I, it I was—I mean, to, to, to me, you're public. being
1: too humble. I mean, the, 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 the FAA was trying to figure out what to do, and then you guys came along. Now, but that's one small part. You've got a huge commercial enterprise. There are many, many people. We think there's cell towers everywhere. But it's, it's really untrue. I mean, this service—how much of the, kind of the world is covered by cell towers versus what you can do?
3: You know, maybe 10 to 15 percent or so at most, you know, and I've been involved since the first generation way, way long ago, and it hasn't expanded that much. Even today, as we talk about 5G, which is exciting, I I can't wait to get one of those too. It's still all going in the same places, which is where primarily people are in cities and towns and on roads, but they're still the same areas of drop call. And when you get into the oceans or you get in the air or you get uh, across the way, which People might not be, but packages are, right? And right. Containers are, and trains are, and uh, fishing vessels are, and airplanes are. That's where we fill in. Well, what happens now if you have a capex holiday
1: and you're just signing people up? And some people, the cash flow is going to be amazing.
3: We're not really like another. You know, if you look at all the satellite companies that are out there, most of them use geostationary satellites, and they have big capex right. programs, and they're, every year they do it. There's nobody else like Iridium that has this periodic capex that creates really high free cash flows for the next ten years, we're going to really throw off a lot of cash and I, dividends. Buyback. What are we well, thinking that's what, here? Well, that's what we're we excited to finally be thinking about. Maybe to it's be be like a about
1: that. that pays a really good dividend one
3: day. Well, probably more like a tower reit than we are a satellite okay, company. Okay, so like
1: American Tower, but an amazing stock.
3: You think about those kind of companies that really have more fina- more like our financial profile, maybe than we are like the other satellite companies. And I think that's maybe what investors are starting to appreciate that perhaps we're we're not. We shouldn't evaluate us as the most expensive satellite stock. Maybe we're a lot more like these other companies with, you know, very high conversion and free cash flow, you know, CapEx intensity, well, those. Sorts. I'm going to
1: congratulate you because I believe in you then, and you, it, it played off. And look at the gains this year, and I think it is just beginning. I mean, you're in that sweet spot just now.
3: Exciting place to be.
1: All right. That is Matt Desch, CEO of Iridium Communications. Great to understand what their role was in these terrible, tragic air uh, accidents. But remember also, I mean, this could be like American Tower, which we liked for a very long time and still do. Man, money's back here for the break. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. After brutal day where we got hammered by fears about the inversion of the yield curve, which is often signaled the coming of a recession, you need to remember what works in a low-growth, low-inflation environment. Like I told you last night, there are a lot of stocks that get more attractive in a mediocre economy. Yeah, sure, we had the big algo sending everything down today, but listen to me. Uh, there's stocks with secular growth. Secular growth works here. Companies with huge potential earnings many years down the road. When Wall Street gets worried about a slowdown, that's what money managers tend to circle the wagons around. And a week from today, one of the most exciting secular growth stories I've ever seen comes public. I'm talking about Lyft, L-Y-F-T for the uninformed, the number two ride-sharing service, which is already one of the most hotly anticipated IPOs of the year. Lyft fits the slowdown playbook that I'm talking about to a T. In a world where ride-sharing apps are becoming more and more popular, where an increasing number of young people don't even bother learning how to drive anymore, let alone own cars, You better believe that the likes of Lyft, yes, and its doppelganger, Uber can thrive in any environment. So at first glance, Lyft seems right for the moment, but will the stock actually be worth buying? Second question, not clear, right? It's complicated. But I want to show you how to answer it, because we've got so many of these big unicorn IPOs coming up later this year. I need to give you a filter. I need to give the context of how you analyze them. First, you need to evaluate the company. Then you evaluate the stock, figure out how much you'll pay for it. So a company can be great, but maybe you're paying too much for it. We want to stop that. When you take a look under the hood, Lyft's got a lot going for it. That's why I I do think it's worth owning as long as you can get it at a right price. Last year, the company more than doubled its sales. And we we know the whole transportation as a service business is booming. However, there's some real negatives here, too, and they make me a little more cautious, which is why I won't tell you to buy it at any level, even though I know people put in market orders and they'll pay any level trying to stop that. Let's start with the positives. Lyft launched its peer-to-peer ride-hailing app in San Francisco in 2012. By the end of last year, the company had already expanded to more than 300 markets across the United States and Canada. Their service is now available to 95% of Americans. They've facilitated over a billion rides. Lyft is the number two player, but they now have 39% market share in the ride sharing business with 18.6 million active riders as of December, 1.1 million drivers. And the company argues that it still has a ton of room to grow. Lyft believes that we're still in the early innings of a major societal shift away from car ownership. And the incredibly bad performance of the auto stocks sure suggests that they might be right, don't you think? For a lot of younger people, car ownership seems crazy. Why shell out tens of thousands of dollars for a major piece of capital equipment that sits in a parking lot for most of the day? you got to pay insurance for it. As Lyft sees it, Americans spend $1.2 trillion on transportation every year. They think more and more of that money will go to the ride-sharing space, which is effectively a duopoly between Lyft and Uber. When you look at the numbers, they are impressive. Lyft more than doubled its revenue last year, although that's a deceleration for the 200% growth that they posted in 2017. The company is still far from profitable because they're spending so much money to expand and take market share. The opportunity cost, but its margins are steadily improving, not going down. In 2016, Lyft had an 18 percent gross margin, what they make after it cost of goods sold. By last year, it increased to 42.3 percent. Venture management says they'll actually have a 70 percent gross margin, 20 percent uh, earnings for interest, tax depreciation, amortization margin (EBITDA) up from negative 43 last year. But they haven't given us a clear time frame for how to get there. This balance sheet is pristine because the company's never had any trouble raising capital. And that's before they get another $2 billion or so in cash from the IPO. On the other hand, they're burning a lot of cash. Last year, they invested over $1 billion in the business. In 2019, it might turn out to be an even bigger investment. It could happen. How about these bookies? These numbers are slowing. They're up 75% last year versus 140% increase in 2017. But you know what that is? That's called the law of large numbers. It's hard to keep going higher. Uh, On the plus side, list revenue as a percentage of bookings has been steadily rising from 18% to 27% over the past two years, which is phenomenal. Basically, they're making more money and more money on each ride. Put it all together, and you've got the makings of an incredible growth story. Lyft's active riders have more than quintupled in the last two years. Total rides increased sixfold. Revenue per active rider more than doubled. At the end of the day, this is about growth, growth, and then growth. How many other publicly traded companies grew at 100% clip last year? That's a very small club. Even as the growth is inevitably going to slow as Lyft gets, uh, keeps getting larger. However, that doesn't mean that Lyft's stock isn't necessarily worth buying. All that good stuff, but wait a second. Remember... Remember this. Remember Snap, the parent of Snapchat when they came public? Investors were forecasting similar numbers. They expected a billion in revenues for 2017, two billion for 2018. In reality, Snap only hit to 825 million in 2017, and it grew to merely 1.18 billion in 2018. See, that's radically weaker than expected, right? So while growth can be intoxicating, we also know that it can evaporate quickly, and there, well, your stock gets annihilated if, if that's what happens. With Lyft, You're getting a play on the gig economy and the subscription economy and even autonomous driving. Those are a lot of powerful themes. At least initially, the stock will have real scarcity value because it's the first online ride-sharing service to come public. Although how that will look after the upcoming Uber IPO is another question. Now, the biggest concern here is that Lyft lost nearly a billion dollars last year. And we have no idea when it will become profitable. Yesterday, the company held a major investor meeting where they indicated that 2019 would be a peak year for investing in the business. That's very positive. Uh, But they'd like it to be, obviously, the peak before that. The problem here is that if anything starts to go off the rails, there's nothing probably up the stock. The other big issue, Lyft has a dual class ownership structure. Roughly half of the voting power is in the hands of the company's two founders, CEO Logan Green and Vice Chairman John Zimmer. When shareholders don't have the ability to remove management, you can end up with some perverse incentives again this is something else Lyft has in common with snap and it's pretty suboptimal oh and let's not forget that Lyft's business is a regulatory nightmare church stations heavily regulated especially at the local and state level and these disruptive tech companies aren't exactly popular politicians so how much is this thing worth, then, with all, considering all that baggage I just gave you? Using the midpoint of the IPO price range, $65, Lyft is going to be a roughly $21.5 billion company. Depending on what kind of assumptions you make about the future, that means the stock could be selling for anywhere from 3.8 to 4.8 times next year's sales. Now, typically, we talk about next year's earnings, right? This is sales. This is not a P to E, all right? It's a P to sales. Either way, that's cheaper than Netflix. It's cheaper than Etsy. It's cheaper than Zora and only slightly more expensive than Spotify at 3.4 times next year's sales. I think the stock can go to $75 before it starts getting expensive relative to its peers. But for all we know, it will go to $75 immediately after it starts trading. After that, I think you need to get more cautious. Remember, limit orders if you want to get it, not market. You are going to thank me. Limit orders. The bottom line, I think Lyft is exactly the kind of stock that can work in a slower growth environment. But you need to be careful with these fresh face IPOs. Short-term, I'm betting this one turns out to be a real good trade. But as a longer-term investment, call me skeptical. And let me speak to Henry in Tennessee. Henry! Booyah, Professor Kramer. Booyah! Long-time listener,
2: and I wanted to thank you for everything you do for us home gamers.
1: Well, thank you. Right back at you.
2: All right. My son actually wanted to ask you a question. Booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. My name is Deb and I'm 11 years old. I recently
1: became interested
2: in investing. I wanted to know your thoughts on Ferrari. Ticker symbol, race.
1: All With right. 15 just... new models
2: announced by 2021, oh. does this stock have more room to run?
1: Wow. I mean, this fellow ought to have his own show. Um You know what? You got horse sense, kid. I think Ferrari's real good. Uh, I do think, by the way, that the auto business is not a good business. I was over to see Lamborghini recently, man. They're crushing it. But I think you'll be fine with race. Remember, though, don't be greedy. The stock is up a great deal. An 11-year-old. Fantastic. All right, let's go to Donald in Idaho. Donald. Yes, thank you. From
0: Lewiston, Idaho. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Of In course. December, you gave your two cents about ten cent music, their right. IPO. What are
1: your thoughts now? Well, look, on this stock—I mean, this stock—it wasn't fair. It went, it went to twelve and all right to I ATM, mean, and then it's come back down. I, you know, I don't like the Chinese stock market. I, I, I'm only recommending Alibaba, and that's only because I feel like I have to have something there. But this stock is getting down to where I think you can buy it again, maybe 16 flat, so to speak, as we call it. That's where I am. All right. I need you to know your IPO. That's why I did this a full week in advance, so you can put in limit orders with your broker to try to get some lift, because I think it can work in this slower-growth environment. But as a longer-term investment, I still have to be a little skeptical. Now, much more money ahead with everybody snapping selfies. It's more important than ever to feel good and look good. So could a stock like Planet Fitness get your portfolio into shape? I'm going to sit down with the CEO. Then, with uh, two of the highest-profile Internet companies planning to go public this year on the NYSE, wondering how this IPO life cycle is going to play out this time? I'm giving you a rundown. I think it's going to be pretty eye-opening. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer.
0: Monday kickoff the trading day was squawk on the street live from post 9 at the NYSE
1: the expectation is so great that this is my problem this is what I've been saying they need a cold fusion MAC car that can take you to Mars faster than bus gets there would that move the needle that be enough the cold fusion Mac, yeah. MAC car only if it's also able to go underwater and run silent run deep
0: it all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern
1: Now that we're in the midst of a market-wide pullback, you know how ugly it was today, that I always tell you to wait before you purchase a stock. We have to ask ourselves, what's worth buying into weakness here? You want high-quality companies with terrific, consistent growth stories, companies like Planet Fitness, the franchise-based gym chain. It's been an incredible success story thanks to its laid-back, judgment-free ethos and management. We know Planet Fitness reported a fabulous quarter at the end of February. I recommended the stock again about two weeks ago in our comparison with Weight Watchers. Since then, it's rallied another nearly three bucks, even after today's sell-off, where it only got dinged for 1.3%. The good ones don't come in easily, do they? It's still a uh, worst day in roughly a month. The stock has been a huge winner. It's up from 16 where it came public in 20- 2015 to 66 and change today. And I bet it more room to run, which is why I'm telling you to buy here on a dip. Do not take it from me, though. Let's check with Chris Rondo. He's the CEO of Planet Fitness. Hear more about how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Rondo, welcome back to Man Money. Yeah, Good to man, see man. you. Have a, Great. Great. have a seat. Great. Good to have you, so, Chris. Well, congratulations it. again, because uh, you. you put up numbers that were really extraordinary, maybe the best of all the retail consumption play, and I think people are going to say, well, how did he get all those? Mm-hmm. Why are they coming, and how? what is the secret sauce? So why don't you give it to us?
2: Yeah, you know, we always say it's the marketing machine, that flywheel effect that we have. And we talk about that a lot. 9% of every mo- monthly membership dues goes right back into marketing. So every incremental member fuels tomorrow's joins. So it's a self-fulfilling process. You know, because I
1: was looking at what you're putting out. I mean, you guys do spend a lot of money on uh, marketing. Sure do. But I'm sure that the sure. franchisees love
2: that. Absolutely. Well, the thing, too, is when you look at our size and scale, it's in everything we do. We right. have great right. franchisees. It took us 16 years to compile the best of the best. Yeah. In the last four years, we've opened 800 stores. Virtually all of them are with the exact same franchisees, opening the 20th or 50th store.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was telling, someone was saying to me, Jim, you love this model. Why don't you buy a franchise? <laughs> and what I heard was, you don't just buy a franchise. You yeah. have to be great before you can get a plan of franchise, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You screen yeah. pretty
2: heavily. And you've got to believe in the model. Right. That came to the casual first-timer.
1: Now, the model is very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. How do you want, I was talking to, to a couple of people who own the gym, so how does he keep it clean with those low, do, low, low dues? How do they stay so clean? Mm-hmm. You know, we
2: have a very streamlined business model. I'll never call it simple, but very, very streamlined. So, you know, we don't have the pools and the daycare and the juice bars and the rock walls. We have tons of cardio, tons of circuit training right. equipment. So we clean, clean, clean and pay attention to the member.
1: Now, uh, the, if you buy the upscale card, you get to go to any Planet Fitness. Correct. I imagine you have a lot of people, millennials say we're on the road, and they mm-hmm. just they identify this is where they work out. Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, out of our black card members,
2: we have 12.5 million members. Which is incredible. Yeah, 60% of them are black card members. Right. So 60%. And reciprocity you can use all 1,700 stores, no charge, as much as you want. And last year, about 50% of our uh, black card members used a different store than their home club and
1: 20% of every black eye workout is not at their home club. That is incredible. Now, I always like to tell this because I like success stories. You did not start out with a 1,000 gyms and 12 no. million people, right? I mean, you started yeah. out in a totally different way yeah. that America needs to know. How would okay. you do it? So I
2: started off working the front desk at the very first store with the two founders, the Grundle brothers. Uh, working the front desk, making $6.40 an hour, and I was in college. Um, we had one store trying to figure it out. We had the heavy dumbbells. We had the juice bars at daycare. Right. You, right. We had the old typical model, 35 bucks a month. Um, Dover, New Hampshire is very rural. We had to figure how to cater to the masses and get people off the couch that had never worked out. Right. Today, 20% of the population is a gym membership. That's it. Last, right. year, last Back in the 90s, it was only 15%. So we had to figure how do we get the 85% off the couch. First, we started with price. Right. Then we realized it was the atmosphere. And that's, you know, getting the first time and making it really comfortable, non-intimidating, not catering to the avid exercise right. or the super athlete, getting rid of the heavy dumbbells, the Olympic benches and squat racks. Right. People grunting dropping weights.
1: Right. And, uh, and also uh, no judgments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: even pizza. Yeah, we have free pizza the first Monday of every month. At all stores, we go through, you know, 50, 70 pizzas, large pizzas at a club. It's kind of a social atmosphere. The staff get to mingle with the members, the members meet other members. Right. Um, it's more of an appreciation. And if we we look at it that, you know, if you happen
1: to work out, then you deserve a splurge once in a while. I think it's very interesting about your demographic. It's not... Poor people, not that there should be anything mm-hmm. jarred about that, as I sure was at one point, yeah. but it's really
2: all different strata. Very diverse. Uh, our, our studies show that about 50%, about a third of our members make over 100 grand, about a third make under 50 grand. But it comes back to the intimidation. If you've never worked out before,
1: regardless of your income, right. you're intimidated. Totally. Yeah. Uh, now, you've got a new deal with one of our, my favorites and uh, great CEO, too, Michelle Goss. You've yeah. got with Coles. How's that working?
2: Oh, great. I talked to her yesterday. We had a great Did conversation. And, uh, she's good. Yeah, she's fired up, she, and I am, too. I mean, this is a great partnership. You know, we look forward to getting the tennis stores open this year. Um, see how that all works out and hopefully leads to many more in the future. But, uh, you know, we, we complement each other. You know, right. out of the 12.5 million members, almost half are millennial, yes. and their average age is much older. So we can fill, you know, they
1: can help us right. and we can help them. So it's a great partnership. Right, and one nearby, one near me just opened. There's a bunch of them. I know you have cannibalization, but these guys have figured this out. But mm-hmm. it was an open storefront. And I am sure that you got a fabulous rent deal. Mm-hmm. Is, isn't that what's going on with all these open storefronts that you have?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we drive about 5,000 workouts per week per center, Whew, and, and we just did a study, Really, Traffic. really interesting story. We did a study that 80, uh, 89% of our members... Combine other shopping in the center while they work out. Sixty um, percent do it every week, and 26% of them said that they had never shopped in any retailer in that center prior to joining our they club.
1: They should be paying you. <laughs> I'm like sure that. you get a good, year. right? Yeah. I mean, just turn the tables <laughs> on. them. I mean, there's so many people that aren't doing that. Well, yeah. well look, it was another unbelievable year. I mean, yeah. I, the only thing I worried about, how do you, on- Encore, I mean, how do you keep doing these numbers?
2: You yeah, know, we have the big, great franchisees that are passionate continue to open stores. On top of the 1,700 open, we have over 1,000 in the pipeline. Half of those open the next three years. You know, if you look at 80% of the population doesn't have a gym membership. Right, there it is. We get so much runway. Um, out of the millennial population in the U.S., we have a 7% penetration of every millennial in the country. Now you have Gen Z coming up. They're just right. turning 21. I mean, the industry's got to
1: grow. It's well, not look, going backwards. It's you know? a terrific story because you're a terrific story. And I congratulate you no, for the sa- much. success that. which you have brought to you and your family. It's fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you to Chris Rondo. He's the CEO of Planet Fitness. Now you see why we like this story so much, don't you? And for a long time. Yeah. Ben Money's back after the break. It is time. It is time. It's time. It's time. It's time. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate. That is over the lightning round. Good start over Galen in Illinois. Galen. Hey, Jim. Big booyah from the land of Lincoln. No kidding.
3: What's up? Hey, I got a question for you. Go ahead. Uh, before I pull the trigger on this stock, it's one that you had recommended previously. Um, it's called Enterprise Partners. Absolutely, EPB. this is the
1: company that's the best play on uh, on the export of energy and the limited partnerships with bonds. Interest rates going down. They're finally coming alive. Six percent yield. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Let's go to Ryan in Florida. Ryan, how's it going, Jim? How's the way? Not bad. Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, I mean she's working tonight. I'll be working tonight. I'm going to Bar San Miguel to work. I uh, can't wait to start pouring. What's up? That's great, I was wondering about the Pyrga stuff. Why, man? No, no, not Parago. We gotta get you gotta get your head into that. You gotta like you a merc. Okay, I'm a merc. We M-U-R-K? No, M-E-R-C-K. Let's go to Stuart in California, Stuart! Jim, thanks for taking my call. Ball pushes my long time. Also an Action Alerts
3: Plus member.
1: Oh, thank you for being Jim. part of the club. We've been do- doing some good stuff lately. What's going on? You know, we've hit some Absolutely. good ones. We've hit some good yeah.
3: ones. So, Jim, a few weeks ago, you
1: interviewed the CEO of uh, Alterix, AYX. It was a great interview, and he was very positive. I
3: already had a small position, and since the
1: interview, the share price had moved steadily up until today, of course. Yeah. Time to take some profits, or... You know what? No run. one ever got hurt taking a profit. It's a good stock. Maybe... Hey, you know what? Maybe you do a little schnitzel. You take some off and let the rest run. Hey, we're not done. We're gonna to go to Joshua in, in New Jersey. Joshua.
3: What's up, Jim? How you doing?
1: I'm fine. You know, I'm getting ready to kick back and start working at my other job.
2: Of course.
1: Yeah, exactly. uh, I was just
2: wondering today about Codex, ticker symbol C-D-X-S. They're-
1: that's a small one. You know, it's a small diagnostic a, a tools company. You know what? Let's do work on it. I'm not going to give Joshua. I'm not going to cuff it and just tell Joshua I like it. That's what the Jokers and the Mountbanks and the knaves and the Fools do. Not me. We'll come back and do some homework. How about we go to Tim in Washington? Tim.
0: Hey, Mr. Kramer. Thanks for having me. How you
2: doing?
1: I'm doing darn well, thank you. How about you?
2: Doing well. Doing well. Looking forward to the weekend.
1: Well, we got a birthday here. If we got a birthday call, Katie, it makes me happy. You know, our staff, we actually hey, celebrate deal. stuff like that. What's going on?
3: Hey, uh, I'm wondering about Action Enterprise, AAXN.
1: Why is that stock down so much? I mean, I got to tell you, I think it's an absolutely great opportunity. Don't forget, Rick has got a contract which incends him to make money for the shareholders, and that's exactly what I want. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of English, the Lightning Round!
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. I'm worried
1: that Tim Cook will need to introduce a driverless Mac car that runs on water, and for an additional 49 bucks, can take us to Mars. This company has an ecosystem, which you can't live without. This is a symbol for an ecosystem. I'm also an elk, by the way, so it works for there. And Anita some. I mean, good thing I didn't listen to that Tweednut Gallery. Booyah! Although I have no idea what that means. I don't either. Visionary. Live long and prosper. Okay we need to talk about the life cycle of the IPO market. See, IPOs come in cycles. Yesterday, the new cycle began with the crowning achievement of a classic good deal from a company with a fantastic brand name, Levi's. CEO Chip Berg, my known forever, has taken an inconsistent business, one that I was involved with pretty intimately back in the 80s, and he's turned into a well-oiled machine with accelerating revenue growth. The syndicate desk handled everything perfectly. They stoked the deal, was 10 times oversubscribed. They could have easily priced it at 20 and said they put it at 17. So smart. That was perfect because anyone who bought Levi's at the opening, like so many big hedge funds did, got a terrific $20 and change basis if they played their cards right by buying in the aftermarket. Now they have a nice position in a company that should have a good first quarter right out of the gate. So they can settle in knowing they've got a terrific apparel play. It's all good. And that's how it starts. The first IPO in a new cycles are always the highest quality prices of merchandise, and they're always priced to move, and they're always priced to make you feel fantastic. Draw you in to the casino. Next, the underwriters will begin bringing some of the gigantic unicorns that many people have been clamoring for. It starts with Lyft next Friday, a Fergie company, even though it's the second man out of Uber. Still, Lyft is viewed as a solid tech transport play, and that's huge. This is a market that hates the banks, but it loves financial tech plays. Right now, the autos are hated, too. And I bet Lyft and Uber will be beloved for the same reason that people like Square and PayPal more than they like Bank of America and, I don't know, J.P. Morgan. Once again, the brokers will favor the public and price the deal reasonably. That's the way the cycle works. Now, it won't be priced as reasonably as Levi's because there will be too much demand after what happened this week. But they'll still be able to give you a nice, engineered first-day pop. The big money managers who get a piece of the deal and then buy more at the opening will end up with a solid cost basis, not as good as they did with Levi's. The city contestants are seeking a valuation of $21 to $23 billion. But given the retail demand for this thing, I believe that Lyft will trade north of $30 billion. Unfortunately, these buyers will have to sell something if they want to keep swap into Lyft because there's just not a lot of new money coming in, right? I can see them selling something uh, like, I don't know, a Salesforce, a Visa, something like that, that ilk to raise cash, to buy some lift. Then we're going to get the Pinterest uh, IPO, uh, I don't know, along with a bunch of similar deals. Hey, last night it was reported that Pinterest decided to move up the timing of its IPO, and after the close today, the company released its IPO prospectus. Whoa, lickety-split, huh? they got to move fast, but it's been kicking around for a long time. I think it might end up being the first of the sliver IPOs, the ones where, because it's not there's not as much demand, they won't offer that much stock in order to be able to have an engineered, artificial pop right out of the gate. These sliver deals happen because things are starting to wane. The interest is declining from regular investors, and the big funds are already starting to be sated, and let's, not remember, let's remember, most of the money is run by index funds these days, and they're not even a lot of participate because these stocks are in the index. After the sliver deals, now we start getting the flotsam and jetsam IPOs. Oh, I'm sure there'll be some Chinese flops that brokers will jam down the big accounts' throats, because the mother of all deal is about to occur. The one everybody wants. The prize. Uber. Now, if history is any guide, this is where things go terribly awry. I don't think the system will be able to handle the flood of orders from ordinary people mixed in with the colossal mutual funds who think they owe their owed stock because they held on to Pinterest and Lyft and whatever suboptimal Chinese IPOs the brokers wanted to sell them. I mean, no. I mean, and the money's coming in over the transom and there's market orders. Uh, look, Uber's going in the New York Stock Exchange. So I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking maybe uh, uh, they won't have any real trouble on the exchange side, like when Facebook came public on the NASDAQ. But the orders will keep flooding in right up until the opening bell, maybe after. The stock will open too high. Then it'll go a bit higher. But once you get that little pop, I'm betting Uber will start coming down as big institutions that got lots of stock on the deal are given the free-to-trade instructions by the brokers, meaning they're allowed to go ring the register just to sate all the buying from individual investors who are using market orders and are going to get smoked. After Uber peaks on its first day of trading, it's all downhill. We'll get more sliver deals from even worse companies. Maybe they can place Airbnb in the queue, stoke more just maybe they can't. But there won't be enough institutional demand because there won't be enough money around. Once the Uber deal comes, it's all over but the crying. At that point, the whole market sinks under the weight of all this new supply. That's why I can't enjoy all this exciting, long-awaited IPO talk. The cycle's begun, people. And while it's all joys and high fives at the start, it's always tears and heartbreak. At the end. Stick with Craig. Okay, tonight we heard that special counsel Robert Moeller has delivered his Russia report to the Attorney General. It signals the end of a nearly two year probe, but of course it's still unclear how much will become public. All right, bad day today. And it's all because of this inverted yield curve. I am telling you look, I don't know when this selling is going to end, but the selling is misplaced because it's about trying to get ahead of a recession, and I don't think there will be a recession. There are plenty of good stocks, not just PepsiCo and not just Clorox. We'll find them together. I don't want you panicking, people. Nobody ever made a dime panicking. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday!